one message for you took from your aunt. Uh-huh. She will bust both of you in the head. You know who me? It's not rocket science, you know. I think you, like me, um, have a face for radio. You know who me? If we don't play with the players we got. That's why it sucks. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. This kind of unprofessionalism does not need to be tolerated. And I mean it. Like, you know who me? You know who me? You know who me? You know who me? What the hell is going on here? Let's all hang up. Another episode of the BS Podcast. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. There's all kinds of noise in my ear now. Oh, jeez. We need a little bit more professionalism. In five, four, three, two, one. Roll Tide, everybody. It's that time again for the BS Podcast. I am your host, one of the Moran Brothers, Quincy W. Moran, a.k.a. the Q-Dog, in the virtual studio with my man, Wild Bill. And his Bama bullet points and our saving correspondent, Austin Dash. This week, Josh Moran is in the basement again due to technical difficulties, but he shall rejoin us next week for the post LSU celebration. Well, gents, we all know this week that Alabama did not have a game. Uncle Bill, as a matter of fact, on the last episode, just guaranteed Alabama would not lose, which is fantastic. So, they did not lose. He came through for us, and here we are with a preview show of what is coming up for Bama LSU. Now, off, offhand, does anybody know how many times Alabama and LSU have met overall? I do not. Austin's well, looking it up. I definitely do not. <laughs> I am told, and I'll have to uh, I'll have to check the math here, but I am told it is eighty six times. And we've won eighty All of them. The math here. <laughs> it looked like it was going to go that way for a very very long time. Um, and does anybody know how many times Alabama has won? Which I think this is old information. But uh, let's give it a shot. I would say Alabama's won at least 20 more than LSU. Yeah, they are quite a distance ahead. So it said 86 times, but we really only have a record for 82. Alabama stands atop this particular contest, or this rivalry, should I say, 55 and 26 and 1. So Bama has has crossed over the half-century mark. And... uh, LSU has beaten Alabama 29 times. Alabama's currently holding a two-game winning streak. Prior to uh, that, Alabama had won 11 times in a row. So there's a whole lot of history here between these teams. And full disclosure, though, I don't know where y'all stand. I've, I've, I've always liked LSU, unless they're playing Alabama. Uh, their, their hate for Alabama got really intensified many years ago when Nick Saban came on to coach. Because <laughs> he left uh, LSU to the NFL, so um, any any thoughts 
Where do you stand, Uncle Bill? I mean, if I look at it, it's like there are two teams in the SEC that if they never won another game, it wouldn't be any sweat off my brow. Otherwise, I kind of root for many of the many of the uh, SEC teams. Uh, Florida, ooh, every once in a while, I just cannot stand Florida. Um, and as much as I like Tim Tebow, I'm glad we made him cry. But uh, what are your thoughts you on got the, that right. the uh what are your thoughts on teams in the SEC, Uncle Bill? Well, you should know that. I, I, know I, have, a, I have a strong dislike for at least three-fourths of them. Strong That's dislike. Right. Yes. I hope the game Saturday in Athens, Georgia, I hope they play 23 overtimes. <laughs> <laughs> and they both lose. Yeah, and they both lose. They run out of players, and Kirby and Josh Heupel has to get out on the field. Josh was a quarterback. Kirby was a defensive back, so make the best man win. I got you. I, I, I would like to see that, actually. I have no – I do not like A&M. Can't stand Jimbo. Don't, have, don't, don't like LSU. Tennessee, Auburn, I don't like none of them. So – my wife said I don't like nobody. She said I don't even like her. That gets hard sometimes when she's beating the snot out of you. I saw. Yeah, it. yeah. Um, no, but uh, uh, the I, I just always recall years ago when after I graduated high school and we first moved to Decatur and I became friends with Benny Perrin who played for mayor. He uh, played on the, uh, he graduated high school in 77. He was a year younger than I was. Uh, we, we became friends and played baseball against him one year and we played softball together. Played in Alabama and then he went on to play safety for the St. Louis Cardinals back before they moved to LA. And uh, he said, I'm tell, he said, every story you've heard about when you go to Baton Rouge is true. He said, if they tell you that they did not rock the buses, that's a lie. He said, them fans, when we pulled up, would start rocking our bus. And he said, when you stepped off the bus, he said, here I was, a freshman in college, and the little kids, he said, I'm talking little kids that barely could walk, said, they'd flip you a bird and they'd tell you what the, you could do. He said, so there's a strong, <laughs> there's a strong dislike for Alabama in Baton Rouge. So if they're teaching them, instilling in them at that age to do that, what do they, else do they do? So, but uh, I, I love Alabama. We don't always do well. But our defense this past Saturday was shut down, locked down defense. That's right. Not even one yard did the competitor get. No. Not so, one yard this past weekend. So now, it, just to make sure, your buddy uh, went to play for the St. Louis Rams, or did he play? No, it was, the they were still at the – him and A.J. Jr. played for the Cardinals when they were still in St. Louis before oh, they okay, moved okay. to Los Angeles. But uh, uh, it's a tragic story, Benny – after he got out of football, he built. He had two restaurants in Decatur, and a few years back, he took his own life. 
Uh, he suffered from uh, concussions. Uh, he had married his high school sweetheart. They had two kids. They divorced. He remarried, and but he took ended up taking his own life because of the uh, concussions and uh, whatnot. But uh, I just always remember that he said, "Don't let them, don't let them fool you." Said those little old kids would shoot you a bird and tell you those two words. <laughs> <laughs> those two words are uh, follow up. Yeah. Follow up. Uh, <laughs> uh, Austin, you're a recent convert to uh, the SEC, if you will. So, uh, what are your thoughts about teams in the SEC being a West Virginia fan? I don't know. I don't know how to feel about teams in the SEC yet. Uh, I'm starting to dislike people very quickly. I guess that comes from my father-in-law. I guess he's. I guess he's teaching me well. But, Blame it on somebody. But but you, your wife. But you know, the last time we played Tennessee, I mean, we absolutely destroyed them. So, uh, you know, Alabama can't say that. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> you know, but y'all, I got, y'all, I got a look from the wife on that one. But y'all never have beat them 15 times in a row either. No, thankfully we haven't played them 15 times in a row. And y'all probably, a lot. I wonder. I wonder if West Virginia has beaten anybody 15 times in a row. You're the high school that Austin graduated from. No, listen, going, <laughs> going into my sophomore season, my high school team had lost 33 in a row. So I think I was probably on the other side of that. Uh, you know, the, yeah, we were horrible. We won three well, games my high school career. There, there was a lot of frustration in my senior year for football because that particular team that we had, uh, junior high, we went 7-1 and one out there in Oak Grove, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had very high prospects. The only, the only team Same we here. lost to was a team that you – know, the only team we lost to was a team that wasn't like a, a true junior high team. They were a junior varsity team, so they had uh, you know some sophomores and uh, some juniors on that team. But we lost that game twelve to six. It was a dogfight. Um, and then we ended up going five and five our senior year. And there's plenty of frustration to go around. But uh, we felt like our vision on the field was not appreciated enough to uh, make some to make some adjustments for the offensive side of the football. And uh, I don't know, it sounds a little bit like Bill O'Brien and his ability to uh, to really screw things up with such great talent. Uh, not comparing our talent to that of the <laughs> University of Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so with that being said, uh, you know, this, uh, this week we traveled a hostile territory and we are notorious the past couple seasons for struggling on the road. So, you know, as we, uh, as we look forward to this particular adventure in Death Valley, uh, Austin, you've got some facts and figures that come along with the Alabama-LSU football game, and I would just love for you to talk to us about uh, where and how we match up when it comes to offense and defense, et cetera. So what do you got for us today? Yeah, so I will go ahead and their season leaders, Bryce Young and – uh, Daniels look pretty similar as far as their stats go. Uh, Bryce has 1,900 yards. Uh, Daniels has 1,800 yards. Uh, Bryce has 18 touchdowns, three interceptions. 
Daniels has 12 touchdowns and one interception. Um, Gibbs and Daniels actually compare uh, rushing-wise, too. Daniels has nine rushing touchdowns, so I think that will be uh, something to watch this week. So, you know, Alabama doesn't fare well against Russian quarterbacks. So, uh, hopefully they've game-planned that very well. And um, Ja'Cory Brooks and Neighbors are their leading receivers. Uh, he has 450 yards and one touchdown. Ja'Cory Brooks has 376 yards and four touchdowns. And let's see, what else do we have here? Points per game, Alabama averages 43, LSU averages 35. Points allowed per game, Alabama allows 16.6, LSU allows 21.1. Alabama and LSU are pretty close total yardage-wise. Alabama averages 485, LSU averages 450. Pass, uh, and they're they're pretty equal passing-wise, Alabama 274. LSU 266. Uh, Alabama has 210 yards a game rushing. LSU has 183 yards allowed. Now, now this is a little different. Um, Alabama allows 295 total. LSU allows 346 total. Okay, and their last five games, they are both 4-1. The only... Yeah, the only team that they've both lost to in the last five games is Tennessee. Tennessee. Exactly. But they only scored thirty only scored thirteen points on Tennessee. Alabama scored forty nine. I will say that. You know what's interesting to me is it seems like uh you know, Brian Kelly's first year coming in to the SEC and, and coaching this group of guys, they lose an early one to Florida State. Uh, but it seems to me that they have really, really been coming around as of late. And, um, you know, last their last game, um, they beat an undefeated Mississippi State or Ole Miss team uh, that, had, that had beaten, you know, at least one or two formidable opponents. And now it looks like LSU is peaking at the right time. And uh, you look at Alabama – and you wonder if their woes of discipline and, you know, grit and determination, we wonder what that's going to look like. Now, both teams have, um, you know, the, the beauty of having a bye week, but what, I wonder what Alabama is going to show up, uh, Uncle Bill. I wonder what you think uh, Alabama's going to do. Is, you know, the last game we talked about, Alabama had 26 yards 27 yards rushing on 27 attempts. Just absolutely dread. It was dreadful. And just for some perspective there, Austin, the Mississippi State's run defense was 35th in the country, and we were able to wow. run 27 yards rushing. So with that being said, I mean, their pass defense was 56th in the country, only two worse than Alabama. And, you know, we got a couple of hundred yards uh, passing against Well, yeah. and that was only reason that was more impressive to me than it should have been was the fact that he was throwing against eight, you know, eight guys covering. And and still, Fair you know, enough. yeah, still done okay. That's fair. And uh and I would absolutely say there are some he he had some opportunities um 
that I'm sure he would like to take back because typically it's not Bryce throwing the ball poorly. It's more our team, you know, not catching the ball even when it hits him in the hands. But looking at looking at the product we've had so far, Uncle Bill, what do you think Alabama does? What do you what do you think they look like when they come on the field this week in Death Valley? They're going to be. Uh, I think they'll be prepared. Uh, I believe our tight end is going to be more involved. Cameron Latou has got to be more involved. Uh, they got to get him the ball. The offensive line has got to block. When you go, you know, when you got five blocking two, they should never touch the quarterback. But then, but then you look at the flip side. I'm sure we've worked on run, 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 run through this open day because we've got to get back to running the ball. But uh, if y'all have noticed, we don't have that bruising back that'll bust it up inside and knock a linebacker on his backside, run over him yeah. to get a yard. We, we'll have third and one, and we still got to try to throw the ball or do something. We don't – maybe somewhere in this off time, we, maybe Roy Dale Williams, he's, I think he's the biggest running back we got. Maybe they've worked him into some of these short yardage situations to be prepared. I, I don't know. But the, the Hall guy, I think he's supposed to be 100% ready to go. So I think he's going to try to stretch the defense with with the, the Hall guy that transferred in from Louisville. But Harold. we've got Harold, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They have got to protect Bryce Young. They've got to. No doubt. And, and, and the defense. It's really, it's really pitiful having so much, uh, so much talent on the front line and uh, our inability to consistently protect him when he wants to throw the ball. Now, that's not to say that from time to time he doesn't have all the time in the world sure, in the he does. Sacks down the field, but there's no there's no consistency that comes along with it. You don't yeah. know what to expect. Like the Alabama teams of old, you knew what to expect. You know, you knew that they were going to be able to block for an AJ McCarron. Well, actually, AJ uh, was abused himself um, as he went through you know the last year and the end of his schedule, but. I feel like we've known in the past what Alabama's offensive line is going to look like, and it doesn't seem like we've gotten there. Now, I hope, I hope you know, this off week, you would think by eight weeks in that, you know, we would have it put together. But hopefully taking the time to work on those types of things as a group, hopefully we get some kind of continuity, the right guys on the field. People had some time to heal up because that's a big deal as well. And then Austin, last Last show, I told Uncle Bill it was my position that we have a big-bodied, hard, fast running back. Um, he's just sitting in the norm, number two quarterback spot. So, for me, I'm looking at a guy who's over 220, over six feet tall, uh, that can blast. And uh, yeah. maybe they maybe they sneak him in behind Gibbs. And, uh, and what was it they said up. he was, what, the the second fastest player on the team, I think somebody said? Yeah. Well, yeah. Only, by, only behind that Harold. Well, if that's the case, I hope they see the value. And, look, I understand that Bryce is dealing with a situation with his shoulder. 
I think Ty Simpson is extremely capable uh, with his feet and his arm. He proved that in the uh, in the A-Day game. Mm-hmm. Who knows in this eight weeks how far along he's come. But when it comes to being able to run the ball, and this is no disrespect for, for Gibbs because Jameer Gibbs, to me, like he's a playmaker. Bill, he is a playmaker, and he is one of the bright, shining spots um, on this football yeah. team when it comes to the transfer portal. But when you look at a guy uh, like Milrow, who's big-bodied and come in, and you know, even on, especially like on third down and short, those types of situations, I think he gives you something yeah. um, physically that Gibbs can't. Uh, I don't think it's likely. It's just a thought of mine to say, look, this guy, if he lines up in the Wildcat, what do you right. really know is going to happen? If he's in the backfield with Bryce, what do you? Maybe he has Christian yeah. McCaffrey type game where he runs for one, he passes for one, uh, and he catches. Who knows? Who knows what the possibilities are? But we're in that part of the schedule now, where we're going to have to, with, in order for us to win, we are going to have to be able to sustain drives and run the football. And you know, Gibbs can get you two yards, or he can get you two hundred yards, and it comes yeah. in chunks. But you know, with an offense that's uh, an offense like Tennessee, just kind of looking forward, you got to keep their tail off the field, and that, that, that's what's going to happen. That would probably be the best thing for his career is to move into the backfield, and why nobody has thought about that is mind blowing. I say we get Nick on the phone tomorrow. Well, but that's what they kept saying about Jalen Hurts too. But look where Jalen is today. Well, but I think. I think Jalen was a little more fluid as a passer. I just don't think he had the reps, probably coming out of high school, to, that he threw it a lot. Uh, and and Jalen may not, you know, Milrow may not either, but he's just built like a running back that throws the ball. Yeah, well, I think it's a it's a due to a lack of experience, not a lack of talent. Now yeah. you could tell that Milrow doesn't have a natural. Yeah, you know, a natural quarterback's throwing um, motion. With that being said, I believe, like Jalen, he, he can develop. But right now, to me, it's about getting the best players on the field mm-hmm. and giving yourself the best opportunity to win. So why not and, play with the best? And I'll also point out, too, uh, you know, nothing against him, but I feel like he's not – he's super fast. But I think he's more of a stick his foot in the ground and go north and south. He's not elusive. Uh, And I think that's what Alabama's missing right now in the backfield is, uh, you know, you've got all these guys that can can make you miss, but we don't have anybody that can just absolutely run it down your throat. And I think he he would kill that. Yeah. Yeah, he's no Derrick Henry, but, you know, we are missing (laughs) that element of Najee or Derrick. Um, even Trent Richardson, a, a guy who will just as soon run through your body yeah. as opposed to run around you. And so enjoy it. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, and say, get up and say, give it to me again. You can't forget our first Heisman Trophy winner. He'd do it too. Yeah. Mark man. Ingram would run over you. Man, oh, man. What a what a, what an Emmett Smith-type running back. What a pleasure four. it was to have him. But what? Four feet tall, four feet wide. What would be wrong with having like three or four plays for Milrow to a package with three or four plays to use yeah, Saturday? At least, exactly. At least a at least a heavy package of some sort because he has that big, strong body. I mean, 
he he can he has proven he can carry the ball. You know, he does need to work on his uh, his ability to in the pocket, you know, to develop. But that being said, hey, I listen. think it would be a great it'd be a great option for us um, to to speed him with Gibbs and then to just pound him with uh, Roy Dell and uh, and Milrow. Hey, West Virginia had a couple running backs down this week, and we didn't win, but our backup quarterback was in the game with gloves on, lined up in the backfield, and he played pretty well. Did he? He's a runner. Is he uh, Is he a physical specimen like uh, Brother Milrow? Or? Uh, he's not quite that big. He's a little lankier, but he, he can take it to the house on any given play. He's a college football player, so he's got what it takes. That's just oh, the way yeah. it is. Okay. Well, well let's not get that. carried away here. <laughs> You're talking about West Virginia now. Hey, he was a four star. Hey, I, in West Virginia, know, maybe he didn't. He's not from West Virginia. <laughs> Looking at uh, what happened around college football this weekend, I think uh, Tennessee answered the Kentucky question. Um, so that was all the hype about what what Kentucky could do against uh, Tennessee, and maybe they could slow him down. No, that didn't happen. Didn't even come close. Um, Tennessee has proven that they are a buzzsaw. You, weaknesses and all. Uh, the Florida-Georgia game, I didn't get to watch college football this weekend because I had, I was uh, daddy daycare this weekend. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, that's the way That's the way it goes. Had a, had a college visit and then other things to do at home. Um I wanted to see that Tennessee-Kentucky game. I wanted to see some Florida-Georgia. You didn't miss nothing in either one of them. Yeah, I didn't think that that Georgia game was – it doesn't even seem like it was a contest to me. So, you know, and then just look at South Carolina. Yeah. What happened, guys? Uh, well. four-game winning streak. What happened? You know, sometimes they get attitudes. You think you're good and you're not. Well, you know, uh, my mind just went blank. Well, what's South Carolina's coach's name? Shane Beamer. Yes, uh, I, th- I think he's he's kind of figuring it out. I think. Um, we'll see. Well, I'm looking. Uh, you know, then you take a you take a look at Quincy. Your aunt's fixing to fill in for me for a moment. Okay, buddy. Bring her. I'll be back. He said, uh, "Bring me on." <laughs> you know, I look like when I sit down and I look at uh, at USC and their performance oh this God. week. Um, Hello. Hey, Cindy. Hey. <laughs> Hi. So, hey, we're talking about uh, what happened this weekend in college football. Haven't mentioned yet that, uh, you know, Auburn can Brian Harson, and he is gone down the road, and what's going to become of that? But uh, And they've got an interim. They've got an interim. Cadillac Williams is the interim coach. Mm-hmm. Is Cadillac, is he the interim? Yeah, yep. he is. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> I uh, hope he's not the only one that uh, gets a flat tire this week. Anyway, um, <laughs> looking at uh, looking around college football, and Sandy, did you get a chance to watch anything on Saturday, or what are your thoughts? 
Uh, well, I was busy, but I could hear, you know, in the background, comments going toward plays being made, calls being made, yelling for me to come and look. So, you know, a lot of critiquing going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. It is. It's definitely easy to do. Now, if we fast forward, I, one of the things I did want to comment on is uh, USC's athletic director um, had some things to say about the officiating in his game against Arizona. I mean, they throttled Arizona, but still, um, how is it with the technology and with the education on the game? How does it? How is it that officiating is getting worse, Austin? What is going on there? It makes no sense because. Now more than ever, you can go back and watch a hundred times how bad it is. And and it just, I don't know. It, it's really confusing. Now we've got more angles, uh, more replays, and somehow still calls are missed or made up every game, and it makes no sense. It's like there's no consistency. You know, and Cindy, here's the thing for me that I'm just I'm just thinking about because I'm not I don't want to vilify the referees and we know naturally there's a shortage when it comes to referees and uh, they take a whole lot of abuse. Um, but is it? Do you think it's a factor of the increased number of rules? It's like overburdening the referees with so many things to look at they can't actually pay attention to the game. Is that? Do you think that's a factor? Because that's just something that that occurred to me is it's like they have put so many rules in place, um, whether it comes to, you know, how um, pass interference is or what is a, what's a targeting call or what you can do with a quarterback. How maybe, many things constitute a catch? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's a part of it that we're really not taking into account here is, what do you think, Aunt Cindy? Is there any merit to that? Well, I think that maybe with all the replay like and technology stuff, maybe they've gone back and they have been able to identify over however many years that's been enforced. Maybe they see serious calls that they possibly missed years prior to. And so maybe now that's, you know, brought more attention to. But I do think sometimes they're not consistent because like, I don't know what game it was Saturday, but there were several calls made um, on the team, like because they were maybe roughing the passer. But then some of those same kind of calls were not called when maybe Alabama, Tennessee played. So in a sense, it's like, okay, what do we do? How do we play the game? Because in some games they focus in on it and then some games they don't, you know? So I guess it can be confusing yeah. for the players, you know? Yeah, and uh, just thinking about it, I know it's not a full-time, like it's not a full-time job, and the salary is not great. I mean, admittedly, you get to be out there among some of the best athletes on the planet uh, in both, you know, college and professional sports. But I think it's time, you know, even with all the cameras, you don't always want it, want every call uh, mm -hmm. to be made on the field because then it's just going to continue to slow it down. But I think it's probably time that, the NFL and college athletics gets together and they make this job as a referee actually something that's full time. So these referees can get compensated. They can take the time they need 
to referee during the season. They can all go out. Like, I know Coach Saban has referees at practice and whatnot, but they can actually go out as squads in spring training and, uh, you know, other types of uh, practice, seven-on-seven, seven, you know, those types of events. And then get in the classroom, actually take the time, make uh, make their physical and, you know, health a part of the, the equation so that they have the time, you know, to do, to train and to just prepare themselves so that uh, there's no lack of money. It, money should not be the issue when it comes <laughs> to officiating. They should be able to invest in these guys and gals so that they have the ability to, to be as prepared as possible and go out on the field and make great calls because it's not a situation I think where it's like boxing boxing the the, the referee the judges and officiate you know the judges in boxing are just absolutely corrupt and I don't think that's the case in uh, when it comes to football I think there it, it's like to me you look at it, it's like okay how many more rules are you going to put on these guys to learn and then it's a part-time gig. It's not great. It's not great pay, and they take a tremendous amount of abuse. Like they gotta sneak these guys out of the stadium. So mm -hmm. what? We're not gonna solve the world's problems here. But what? What can college athletics? What can the professionals do to pay these guys better? And then you know, I think if you pay them very well, and they're repeat offenders, maybe they do get penalized. Uh, financially, or there's, you know, a bonus opportunity, you know, if you incentivize them to look at the right things, I don't know where it is. Somebody smarter than me has got to be talking about this, but that's just, that's my opinion. Something's going on with the officiating from the, from coast to coast. Did you know that coach Bryant was the one that actually started um, having an official like person at practices and stuff? That started like way back in the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, when Coach Saban came there, the same guy, he kept like, he's still there. Now, I don't know if he is now because he was, you know, a little bit older. Yeah. But um, yeah, Coach Bryant kind of put that in, um, I guess, into play, so to speak. And the guy would be there. Like he was on staff and they brought him on. Yeah. So uh, now that you say cool. that, I do remember. I do remember that story about that particular guy being there. And uh, if he's retired, that might speak to one of the reasons that we have 52 million penalties this year. Uh, somebody, just not watching them like they do. Who really knows? Yeah, that's so true. We, we were talking about, um, I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, thus far in seven and one, eight games behind us. What do you think uh, Alabama, how do you think they're going to show up this week? you know, relative to discipline and, and uh, consistency, what do you think is going to happen? What's your prediction? I think that there lacks on discipline for some reason. I don't know what's going on, but it they don't seem as tough maybe as some of the players like prior to. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Coach Saban's getting a little, you know, soft. As he's getting older. Today's actually his birthday. <laughs> it is his 71st birthday. Uh -huh. Birthday coach today. But. Yeah. Um, and I think like a lot of guys that are like these top recruits, you know, maybe they come in thinking they're all that plus some. But then when they get there on the team, it's like, okay, I'm not the only star here. And there's no I in team. Maybe they haven't learned that lesson yet. 
I don't know. It's a lot different, you know, than it was years ago. So, yeah, and I, I think, you know, as, as a former coach, I think, uh, I think that mental toughness and that accountability does come from the coaching side. Mm -hmm. and, um, there is a player, the player has a factor in it as well, but I, I think, you know, with the, uh, the amount of attrition that coach Saban has, um, I don't think he has the quality of coaches surrounding him that he had as he was building the dynasty. Mm -hmm. So it shows there's only so much one man can do. Um, and then that's why you hire great people. So I, that's, that to me is one thing that has really got to be solidified. No matter how this season turns out, Coach Savage is going to have to go after some great talent uh, that needs developing on the coaching side and, uh, and kind of build the dynasty back for as long as he wants to stick around. I mean, whatever he's doing, even with a lack of discipline, even as undisciplined as we are and as sloppy as we play, it still comes down to one kick for us to beat Tennessee. <laughs> so that speaks to, you know, part of the process and the program, but also the high level of talent. And you are absolutely correct. When it comes to some of that high caliber talent, they don't always get challenged. You know, mm -hmm. they actually, in a, in a sense, they get pampered at their school mm -hmm. um, because they don't, they don't necessarily face a lot of adversity unless they go to a preparatory academy or a huge school, say like a Hoover High School in Alabama or something like that. So when they get there, I think it is culture shock because the world seems to revolve around them where they are, and then you get to Alabama, and it's like, oh, wait, I can't just take off and outrun this guy, or I'm, I can't just get on the bench press and outpress him or I, you know, I can't throw farther than everybody on the team or I can't make a move to beat this particular DB. Whereas at high school last year, I could. Well, so, and I think that, that, like I say, that mental toughness comes from your coaches mm -hmm. and their ability to develop those young men through the process. And I, I think by all accounts, that's where, we're lacking the most is the supporting cast around coach Saban. Yeah. That could be selfishly said. I might be wrong, but um, I think that's, I think that's where it's at. Yeah. Well, and I think the transfer, the transfer portal has made it har uh, harder too, just because now if you're hard on guys and challenge them to a certain extent, well, that, you know, they'll jump ship and, and go somewhere else where, it, you know, it's easier on them. So, Very true. you know, they're not buying in like they did. Well, you know, that college um, up in the Northeast, which is supposed to be one of the top universities for the medical world, um, you know, students complained that the biochemist professor was too hard. Oh and so he lost his job. Well, then when, like, we've heard a couple of different uh, interviews for, you know, people that they knew were like cardiologists or, you know, these top doctors said, you know, if you don't get a, like, specific grade in biochemistry, can you pass the whatever it is you need to be a doctor in this particular field? No. And so, so many students, I mean, I, you know, it's kind of like that, too. They didn't want to be challenged to learn what they needed to learn. So the bar is lowered. Yes. And so, and they got the professor fired from well, their complaints. Speaking of that, 
and Cindy, and I started the episode, and I'll listen to some more of it tomorrow. You got to watch out, you know, when you're listening to Joe Rogan because he has some pretty foul language. But he had Dr. <laughs> Phil on, and Dr. Phil, he and Dr. Phil kind of did a deep dive into what this is, and he brought that very situation up, talking about the professor uh, in college, and it's really, it's really a shame because there was a time when the United States of America in science. And now I think we're in the twenties mm-hmm. and it's not Way because down. the world got better. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're in the 20s. It's, and it's not because the world has gotten better and caught up to us. It's because we've dumbed it down and we've softened our people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. we, so what society we've done, as a whole. exactly. We, we have softened our society in such a way where things, there's an expectation that you're entitled to this, that, and the other thing, and you shouldn't yeah. have to work hard, and it should be given to you. And you would think with the advances, mm-hmm. the advances in uh, the information age, that as good as we are, if you apply that same level of hard work and discipline, then you would just continue to widen the gap between number one and number two. And we haven't done that. And it's like that's the same thing. I think that. Uh, that our college football coaches are dealing with from mm-hmm. from that that softening of a child's ability to grow up to have thick skin everything yeah. has been like not to get political but everything's been about the anti-bullying campaign which bullying sucks but you got to teach your kids also to get thicker skin be kind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but have thicker skin and understand the world's not a nice place all the time and well, build build resiliency and it's not there. Everything is accommodating to the lower self of each person because they feel entitled to what they should have. And, and like you say, Austin, the transfer portal, yeah. it, it does impair a coach's ability to enact consequences and accountability. And that is sorely lacking in this day and time when it, unless you are a parent who is you know, using that as your parenting foundation when it comes to raising your children everybody's not so mm-hmm. now you can be anything you want to be from a from a cat <laughs> to a dinosaur there's no accountability yeah. if the if the work's too hard you know Jim Rohn um, one of the great speakers of our time said don't wish for things to get easier wish to get better at what you do and so where is where is the grit yeah. where is the tenacity where well, is the fortitude to overcome because we need that as a society in America, and we need that as, as a society when it comes to college, when it comes to college athletics. It's, there are still people that have it, but in my opinion, it is, it, is, it is becoming more and more fragile as time goes on. And, you know, that's one of the things that Coach Saban could pride himself on was that hammer to say, look, you can be great here, yeah. but if you're, not, if you're not a team and you're not in the process, then you won't play because the best people are going to play. Well, and I think somewhere along the the road, instead of rising to the challenge, we've lowered where the challenge is. And instead of, um, you know, realizing that life is tough, we've made it, you know, just as easy as we can on everybody. So that's, you know, that doesn't happen. And then tough things come, and then you're like, oh, well, I'm not prepared for this. And I think that's kind of what Alabama's dealt with is just, you know, they're, they've, you know, they've made it so easy, 
and now you know you're you're not just automatically going to be the best anymore just stepping on the field so you know the everything's more level now so now you've got to be disciplined and now you've got to you've got to know everything that he's told you during the week and actually do it instead of just showing up and being better athletically. So, yeah. you know, and and that's one thing I liked he said with his press conference after the bye week was uh, it was a reality check, and we let these guys know that uh, nobody is guaranteed a position, and the best players are going to play going forward regardless. So oh, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. So we'll, well you see know, Doctor. You know, Doctor Field. I mean, I I don't watch TV during the day, but he just did a um, segment where he brought in like all these. Uh, what is it, Gen Z? Is that it? Was that what it is, Gen Z, Gen X, whatever it is? And he was talking to them like what you were talking about, uh, Quincy, where he was. Like now comedians can't be comedians anymore right? because everyone is offended. And so when he mentioned that to this audience of all the same age, like people, they were agreeing that they were glad that comedians have now been censored, so to speak, where they can't make jokes about the people in office or so-and-so over here because it's offensive and hurtful and so uh, I haven't watched it I, I, I thought it'd be interesting to go back and watch but um, I was like well I'm glad he kind of took that challenge on but it's that's why I think it's so impressive like when you see um, Jalen and Mac Jones is that right Mac Jones and Tua like all three of those guys were at Alabama at the same time which I think is so awesome, but then they're awesome human beings. You know, right. they, you would never know like Jalen is making lots of money because he lives so simple and he's so humble. Um, he does so much for the community and that, you know, that may be a lot of what's missing too amongst these high school kids. Mm -hmm. Their parents haven't taught them humility. It's I'm great. I'm the best. I'm, you know, I'm the star. Um, and if they lose, it's not their fault. It's everyone else's. So then when you come into that, you know, setting, um, they haven't learned all those things that they should have learned at home. Because not all parents teach that, especially this yeah. day and time. So, yeah, it's you a, know. It's so, you're right on the money there. And uh, I, I lead with love, but I am, uh, I'm a very strong um, believer when it comes to accountability and not really not like breaking the, the, the soul of your child, but saying that, you know, there is a standard and mm -hmm. you, there's a standard and there's accountability. And in order for you to get ahead in this life and for you to grow and for you to be, um, all that you yourself are capable of being and for you to, to realize the things that are in your heart to accomplish, because it's not like, it's not like you're here by accident. You're here on a divine order. There's there's the plan and there's a purpose for your life. And you've been put in this particular place for such a time as this. So how are you going to positively affect the people within your sphere of influence unless you are out there 
giving it and using this thing called life, which is such a gift to its maximum potential. And I'm not talking about becoming a millionaire, but I'm just talking about mm -hmm. developing yourself and respecting the gift of life that you have and then going out and, and moving forward and learning how to grow and learning that life's not fair. And it's okay that life's not fair. It is okay. But in spite of that, leading with gratitude and where you fall short, you need to know, hey, this is lovingly, this is where you fall short. Or if you are doing wrong on purpose, you have a parent who looks at you and says, hey, you suck right now. <laughs> you need to step up your game because this is not you. Yeah. This right. is not and who here's you how are. you can help yourself. Exactly. And those are the things that I don't know if that's happening. We're talking about we're talking about football, but you know, my pastor uh, back in the day, Bill, um, funny enough, he uh, <laughs> he said, you know, and I know this is a, a popular saying, but the way you do one thing is the way you'll do everything in mm -hmm. your life. And so you know, it's what we see right now is not the root. It's the symptom of a situation, whether it's our country or whether it's our football team. So really, you just have to course correct, find out what is it going to take for me to get um, back on track to be who I know I am and then discipline yourself and have people that love you enough to hold you accountable and build you up, but also show you there's consequence so that you can accomplish the great things that you want to do because like I was telling Uncle Bill last week, I said, nobody wants Will Anderson to have a thousand sacks in a season more than Will Anderson. Mm -hmm. nobody, nobody wants to catch more passes than Brooks. Yeah. The, nobody wants him to catch him more than he does. Nobody wants Jameer Gibbs to, to have a thousand yard rushing season more than he wants to because he's the one out there doing the work. So selfishly, you know, this is entertainment for us, but this is us rooting for them to accomplish their goal and to have pride for the college in the state of Alabama. So hopefully they're able to course correct and they show up this week in Death Valley. And, and dominate. They, and they absolutely dominate, and they do that in a hostile, inter hostile territory, and, they, don't, and they, they begin to play like they are playing to win not like they are playing not to lose because I, that has been something that is evident as we've gone through this process is this team is not playing to win with the tenacity that the teams of old have played with. So that too goes with coaching as well. So uh, Austin, I'm glad you brought up the press conference. Anything else you had there? Uh, that, was per, that was pretty much it. Uh, he was happy with how they played against Mississippi State. Uh, he thought that now they've they've ended up on the right track as far as just their mentality and how they're approaching everything now um and that's pretty much it and you know he's he's challenged them now we'll see if they step up to the plate absolutely well um <laughs> alabama opened uh or started the weekend as a 12 point favorite i don't know what the gap is right now 13 i think depending it's 13, so yes. depending on what brand of, of Alabama shows up, depending on the game plan our coaches have and how we execute in the first half, adjust in the second half, um, and if our coaches don't get out coached, which has happened a few times, I think Alabama can easily cover that 13-point spread because I think we're a much better football team than we've been at any point mm -hmm. in time on the field. I, our you know, for, for Tennessee, they played their absolute best game and beat Alabama. They beat them fair and square. They scored the most points.
But I think if Alabama plays their best game each and every time this for the rest of the season, I believe that they can put it together and actually beat anybody in the country. And so yeah. their best football game remains to be seen. That's where I stand on it. Mm -hmm. Did I hear Bill telling you about – uh, someone that we knew that played for Alabama, and he would tell us stories about when they would go to LSU and play. Was he telling yeah. telling you about yes, that? Ma <laughs> yes, ma'am. Most it's, definitely. It's crazy down there. <laughs> the Cajun, the Cajun blood in again. Oh, baby. Yeah. All right. Well, if um, do we have any predictions for this week and how Alabama is going to fare? Bama LSU predictions. We will start. We're going to get Aunt Cindy's prediction before she throws Uncle Bill back on the scene. Aunt Cindy, <laughs> what is your prediction this week for Alabama LSU? Uh, I don't know. I just hope they win. <laughs> I don't care how much oh, they win by. <laughs> come on. Give me something. Oh, he wants you back on here. Um. I don't know. I'm, I kind of live in the realistic war, world, so <laughs> I'm not going to make a prediction. I'm just going to cheer them on. How and, many points do you think Alabama will win by? Just give me a point. Gosh. What I think they could win by and maybe what they might win by are two different things. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't worry. Nobody's listening. It's just me and you. Go for it. Uh-huh. Um... I think they could win, in my eyes, maybe by two touchdowns, possibly, maybe more. Okay. But then sometimes the way they've played lately, it might not be that much. Three points. I'd be happy. One. I would be happy. <laughs> I'll take a one-point win. Take, as long as it's a W, I'm good. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, Me too. All right. If we can get Uncle Bill back on, I'll okay. have, I have one more thing to talk about with Austin and Uncle Bill. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Aunt Cindy. Yes, thanks for letting me sit in for a few minutes. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Stand up there so I can get all right, Austin. As mm -hmm. uh, as Uncle Bill gets strapped back into the uh, the co-pilot seat, um, tell me right now your top one through six um, college football. Tell me what you got. Who's Ooh. Um, I would say. Oh man, this is hard to do before the Tennessee Georgia game because I still don't know if if. Either one of those teams are uh, that that game will tell us if Georgia can score with the best offense in the country as of right now, and then it'll tell us if anybody actually can stop Tennessee. So for now, I'm going to say Tennessee, Georgia. Oh gosh, I don't know who's. I don't know what the 25 is after that. Um, I would not put okay. Ohio State at three. I would probably put. I would. I would probably put Alabama at three. Uh, regardless of how everything has went. Four probably Michigan. Ohio State at five, just because they haven't played anybody. Um, and I don't. 
I don't know who would be my number six because I don't know who else is left. TCU. Clemson's out there. Clemson. Clemson and TCU are out there. Yeah, I still just don't I, – I don't think TCU is as good as they look so far. I just – I feel like the Big 12 is very weak this year. So I think they're kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're a smoke show right now, I think. They're weak every year. And, yeah, and Clemson plays in the ACC, so that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, so I have your uh, – so do you, do you have Clemson or TCU next after uh, Ohio? Probably Clemson and then TCU. Okay. Uncle Bill, what do you got? Uh, Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, and Alabama. You said six, okay. didn't you? You think Clemson's better than Alabama? Well, they ain't been beat. Yes, but the question is if they play tomorrow. Uh, that's not what Quincy asked. <laughs> yeah, that'll we can uh, we can definitely talk about that, you know, next week. Um, so if I look down, if I look down this list, um, I'm saying the king chicken is Tennessee, and uh, I think. Until proven otherwise. I think they played, you know, much better against top opponents. I don't think Georgia's had as tough a schedule as Tennessee, and Tennessee has throttled people. Um, They got away with with beating Alabama, who, uh, you know, hasn't had their best football game yet, but still it was at home. Uh, They just just beat Kentucky like a wildcat drum. Uh, So I'd go Tennessee and Georgia, and uh, then I'd go – it's really hard, like you say, who has Ohio State played? It's not, you know, their their competition is their competition, but I would go Ohio State-Michigan. So that's my top four. Uh, the next thing I would do is I would probably go, I would probably go TCU, Bama, Clemson. And yes. I'm, penalizing, I'm penalizing Alabama because they haven't shown up like they should. Now, what we know, we know – this is all going to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Every bit it's, of it's going to take care of itself. It's simple. Yeah. So yeah. That, that recipe is there. You know that uh, Georgia and Tennessee are going to play each other. Ohio State and Michigan are going to, going to play each other. Um, Clemson, it, it, it is high potential that they might win out. And then TCU, high potential they might win out. Alabama still holds their own destiny. So they control it. But the, the, the top three spots – without a doubt, are going to work themselves out with that mm-hmm. list of six right there. That's my opinion. In the next three weeks. That's well, say I, and I'm sticking to it. My philosophy has always been Georgia won it last year. To me, they should be number one until somebody beats them. They're the defending champs. It's, you know, to a degree, I can, I can agree with that. But then again, I, I push back because the rosters in college are so fluid. Yeah. And things change but, so much. That's why I advocate no, like, no polls. I mean, they're always going to have polls, but let's mm-hmm. not put anything official out until after six weeks. Oh, yeah, the middle of the know, season would be great. What body of work do you actually have? What do you have yeah. to go by? Um, I do understand that George is the champion, and, uh, you know, they have a decent amount of returning teams, but right now I can't see anybody who exploits your weakness like Tennessee. 
Yeah. This I week would... will answer a lot of questions as far as what the final four looks like at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, I think Tennessee, whether they win or lose against Georgia, I think they've answered all the questions that are necessary mm-hmm. because I think we have one of the better defenses in the country and they embarrassed us. And that was yeah. more of a scheme. That was more of a scheme situation. And being out coach. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think, uh, Uncle Bill? What is, uh, what's LSU-Bama? What does it look like at the end of the day? It's going to be 30, 38 to 27. So he's Austin taking Nash. the under. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Offense shows up this week. Harrell uh, comes to play. He, he, I think he makes a couple plays. I think Bryce is healthier this year, this week, after a week off. So I'm going to say 44 to 24 defense uh, slows Daniels down. I like that. That's uh, that's actually pretty close to where where I'm going to go and really. You know, uh, points allowed per game. Um, LSU allows 21, statistically speaking, thus far. Bama allows 16, and that's after giving up 52 to the Vols. Right. Um, So, in my opinion, uh, I'm going to go with the law of averages, let's hope, uh, (laughs) and say that Bama does get 45 points. In Tennessee, excuse me, LSU, so sorry. You still got it on the mind. We will forever have it on our mind. Um, and LSU gets a hearty 17 points, so 45-17. I truly believe that Alabama can score at will. I really do. Um, but we. it remains to be seen. The numbers are in pen. They're not in pencil. Yeah. Well, so, uh, and now I feel like if Alabama – that missing piece, if they can start blocking the running game, they're easily the best offense in the country. Absolutely. And it's what that, that close. Do? If we can run the ball, that means that Danielson is not on the field. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm looking to do. Steal the time of possession, methodical runs, get a few quick hits to, to put uh, LSU behind and shut that yeah. crowd up. Yep. and then sink down and run the ball, keep the ball out of his hands. And I'm looking for Will and Dallas Turner. And Eli Ricks. Absolutely. <laughs> Eli Ricks. I'm looking Come for on. The, those guys to go lights out. I'm looking for them to rise to the moment, forget what's behind them, look forward, and then for them to rise to the occasion mm-hmm. and dominate um, for the rest of the season. I, I believe that they have – They've, they've made the move to get their mind right. And do what Nick Saban said and quit worrying about the outcome of the game and play it one play at a time. It's That's that it, simple. one play at a time. All right, boys, we did it. We even had a special guest on this weekend, Cindy. She did great. Yes, Didn't my she feeling, my, I don't know what y'all was talking about with her, but. <laughs> well, now you got to go back she, and listen to the podcast. She, um, she, knows, she knows football. Austin, don't you think Aunt Cindy did a great job? Well, she's not your aunt. She's your mother-in-law. Don't you think she did a great job? <laughs> yeah. They're bragging on me. I thought it was great, man. Even, great. even your favorite son-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's it. She said next time she'd try to be prepared if she's going to have to fill in. 
that's okay. Yep. She, hey, she's got to be an understudy. Tell her to be ready all time. When her number's called, next woman up. You got to be ready in all time. Instant in season and out. That's right. That's right. Well, that's it. This is the look ahead to LSU, Alabama LSU 2022. We will see what happens on the other side. For Wild Bill, his Bama bullet points, and Cindy and her fill-in, Austin, her saving correspondent, and Josh Moran, the man who didn't show up today. This is the BS Podcast. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide, bro. Roll.